I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. Hi. This is Mike. This is Kate. So we have a special Mother's Day episode for you today. In all honesty, we don't often do episodes around holidays. You know, we don't. However, I just was looking at the calendar and I was like, you know what? Mother's Day is coming up. And for a lot of mothers, this Mother's Day is going to be really different than others in the past because we've been cooped up in our houses with our families for the last, you know, six weeks or eight weeks or depending on where you live, however long it's been and depending on what the restrictions are wherever you live. And one of our team members, Takesha, brought up that point on a team meeting and I've been sitting with it ever since. Like, huh, as we think about you know, states are opening up in stages, at least yesterday, Governor Janet Mills in Maine sort of explained this four phase plan for for things reopening based on whether or not it causes a, a surge in COVID cases. And as we are looking at things expanding a little bit after this major contraction, I think many of us are answering the question, what do I not want to go back to? Right. Like in these opportunities of contraction and restriction, we then have, you know, it's kind of like a food elimination plan. Right. If you're trying to figure out what you might be allergic to or, or what's causing you discomfort, you take out everything and then you add one thing at a time back in to see what's irritating your system and what's not and what's safe. And so now, since so much of our outer lives has been stripped away as some places are reopening slowly, we have this moment, this opportunity to ask, which parts do I actually want to add back in and which parts do I not? And I know that for some people, Mother's Day is incredibly beautiful. And for some people, it's really painful for a lot of reasons. And for some people, it's like obligatory and sort of a pain in the ass. And so I thought as a microcosm of this larger global conversation around what do we want to return to and what do we want to choose not to return to and eliminate from our lives or minimize, we could talk about Mother's Day as sort of a case study. So that's what we're talking about today. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good? Yeah. Okay. We don't have any new reviews, right? No, we don't. Okay. I'm just wondering how this all fits. Kay told me she wanted to talk about this, so I was like, let's go. We did not talk about this before we started recording. So let's dive in. Well, so there's a couple of layers here, right? Number one, the way that the pandemic and, you know, the shelter at home orders have affected mothers is inherently for many different than the way it may have affected fathers or people without children. So historically speaking, women have been the ones to be the primary caregivers of children and the primary person taking care of the house. And I got a message from a girlfriend of mine and it really struck me. And Mike, I haven't shared this with you yet. So this is just hot off the presses and I'm really interested to hear your take. So after an episode we did a couple weeks ago where I shared that I was crawling out of my skin being with the kids... And then I subsequently had a breakdown after the podcast episode ended and and went to work, like really got some support around that. And it was amazing. And I feel way better, even though sometimes I still feel like I'm crawling out of my skin. It's like way less and I feel more calm and present with the kids. And I've been having more fun and I've been actually really finding ways to savor and cherish this time. And I am for sure a better mother than I was on March 13th. And that's cool. Is that when we record the podcast? Or no, March 13th was the last, was like the day before, at least in Maine, everything kind of shut down. Got it. I think the stay-at-home order went into effect that weekend or or something like that. And that was kind of when I went through the horror of like, oh my gosh, you know, all the different ways this was going to affect 
our life, our business, our customers, the greater community, the greater world. And, you know, we've all been on that roller coaster of the the stages of grief. Lindy Griegel, who is an amazing holistic health provider here locally, who Mike and I see and the girls see, she combines homeopathy with allopathic medicine, with complementary medicine, really, really beautiful healthcare provider. She just was talking about how COVID and our response to it emotionally really mirrors the the stages of grief mm-hmm. and I then looked up what the stages of grief are and I can say for myself that has absolutely been the case and and like everything it's non-linear so you know I'm sure we've all gone through shock and anger and I definitely went through the bargaining stage <laughs> and and I've come in and out of acceptance but what I wanted to say is I got this message from a friend. I got actually a couple of messages from that episode when I was really just super honest at the beginning. And I was like, I'm crawling out of my skin with the kids and it's really painful. And she was just like, thank you so much for sharing that. And here was the unique part of her message. She said, you and I and like one other person so that she knows, her, her and me. Yeah. Yep. I'm speaking as her now. You and I. And like this one other person she knows are the only women friends that she has who are mothers who actually have like 50 50 partnerships where our home life is actually 50 50 like meaning you know just like the laundry the groceries the cleaning the holding of the stuff with the kids the holding of the household is like we do it together it's not it doesn't fall disproportionately on me and it doesn't fall disproportionately on you now of course there's parts of it like taking out the trash falls absolutely disproportionately on you but there are other aspects like thinking of what we need for groceries that fall disproportionate on me but like in the grand scheme we're pretty darn close to 50 50 so what struck me about the message is i couldn't believe that out of all the people this woman knows and out of all the people i know I actually couldn't think of many other examples of 50-50 partnerships. And again, like I know you shared that Brene Brown was saying that 50-50 is like a myth and that there are times when it's 80-20, there are times when it's 70-30, you know, I don't I don't think every single day is 50-50. Yeah, I will I'll yeah, just please ex- share. <laughs> expand on that. So I've been listening to Brene Brown's podcast since it launched and it's phenomenal. What's it called again? Unlocking You. Okay. It's like, you, you'll just find look it, for yeah. Brene Brown. Unlocking me, unlocking <laughs> self, unlocking uh, unlocking something. Great. Uh, <laughs> now I want to know because you just asked me. So basically what they were talking about, it was an, it was a just unlocking us. I was close. <laughs> All the pronouns. Yeah, I was or, close. One is of that them. a pronoun? No. You're asking the wrong guy. You, me, we, us. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah. I felt so I was my doing, word nerdiness is really I was doing me right uh, now. I had my last coaching session with raw yesterday and I had to work I was working on my L3 which is in her book called the calling and I was working on this section about how to live and the way I had to work is I had to retype everything on zoom screen share as I, so you're basically brainstorming and coming up with what your sentences about how you actually want to live live like she's just there looking at me in this entire process and i was so nervous about not about the process of working that just my typing and words and like putting them on the screen so like just of that you know it's all internal judgment around it so anyway so what Brene brown was talking about was the concept where her she would go on a, a business trip and she would be speaking or working and she would be exhausted by the time she comes home. And then Steve, her husband's at home with two or three kids. I don't know, two kids. And he's at home with two kids and he's exhausted because he's been parenting and working full time and getting them to school, the whole shebang, right? And so then she comes back and is like, all I want to do is curl up in bed. And she's at like a 20% energy level of her life or something at that point, right? And Steve comes home and all he wants to do is waits for her to walk in the door and all he wants to do is crawl into bed. And he's at like a 20%. So she was saying that the we think the 50-50 balance of what exists is like we always strive for this 50-50 split and it doesn't exist, right? And so there's a hundred, just to keep it simple, it's like there's a hundred percent of energy between the two people and where are people 
you know, every morning we could wake up and just say, Hey, what's your energy at today or something? And be like, Oh, I'm at 80. And then that means like, Oh, I can be at 20 if I, or something, you know, it's along those, not necessarily that that is how it is, but, or excuse me, there's a hundred percent for Kate and a hundred percent for myself. So when we're both at 20, it's a little rough on each end. And if we're both at 80, things are going pretty smoothly. So she just talked about how we strive a lot of times in partnerships to get to this 50, 50 balance around things. And it doesn't, it's not real. Like with, if Kate's traveling or I'm traveling, you know, that can be exhausting itself as traveling. Cause it is exhausting, but also being at home, like with kids and then all the household chores. And then you have the other part of the business and all that stuff is also very exhausting. So, yeah. so, Anyway, whether or not the goal is 50-50 or whether, I mean, I think all the theories are interesting and, you know, it's all theoretical, right? Mm Because none of this is exactly measurable, but it's like a feeling. And so the feeling that I have in our partnership is that in terms of the household stuff, we are 50-50, give or take, you know, on a certain day, but it kind of all comes out in the wash. And I just was really struck by this message I received from my girlfriend that she could only come up with her and me and one other couple and I could only come up with a handful as well who also fit into that boat where sort of the householding and the child rearing is equally shared. And I've been thinking about mothers during this time and there's a lot of, now there's there's certainly some mothers who are working full-time from home and are absolutely splitting it up 50-50 with their husbands, you know, or their partners. Now, I obviously, I just want to say the conversation that I'm sharing does have to do with our heteronormative structure of partnership. And I would imagine that it applies to same-sex couples in some ways that I'm not as familiar with because I'm not in a same-sex couple. So, but this dynamic between the traditional roles of men and women at home as it relates to child rearing and householding, I just think that we still have a ways to go in terms of like, you know, I've heard from other folks who are like, yeah, we're splitting it up 50-50 and it's going well. I mean, as well as could be imagined with the homeschooling, you know, working from home, whole shebang and like, yeah, I work eight to 12 and then, you know, my partner works 12 to four or whatever. And then, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I've heard from a lot of other folks who are like, yeah, I just do all the homeschooling and I'm working my job or my business and I'm doing all the household stuff I did before. And my partner or my husband is just working and only doing what he was doing before. And obviously there's a huge spectrum in there. But the reason I bring this up is because I think it's important to be aware that while we've made strides, certainly, and there's quite a way to go in terms of pay equity and leadership of women in corporations and in the government, again, we have a long way to go, but we've made strides. We haven't kept up so much on the home front. So I do think that there's a lot, like my friend Sarah Jenks talks about that in, you know, let's say in your workplace, it's 2020, but oftentimes in our homes, it's 1950. And so I'm talking about this. You mean the years? Yeah. When you said 2020, I thought of iVision. Uh, <laughs> is your, I was like, where's she going no, with this? No, I mean yes, the year I got 2020 <laughs> and the year 1950. <laughs> now, again, I don't know you listening. I don't know what your partnership is like. I have no idea. But I think it's important to think about what it is that you really want. And my whole purpose in bringing this up is that coming up on Sunday in the United States is Mother's Day. This episode is being recorded before May 10th, 2020, which is Mother's Day in the United States. I know it's a different day in other countries. And this day, historically, you know, can be quite hallmarky. And like, sometimes it's associated with an obligatory brunch. And like, you get a card and then, you know, you're still doing all the same stuff, right? <laughs> and so like making a brunch for your mother. Are you trying or to tell me that's what your mother, or... Mother's Day experiences are like? No, this is not personal. Oh, okay. I actually have Just... had wonderful Mother's Day experiences. <laughs> the reason I'm bringing this up is because I hear from other folks, like I always get excited about Mother's Day. 
I think it's a beautiful day. I have felt historically really well celebrated. I like celebrating my mom on that day. I like celebrating your mom, my bonus mom, my granny. You know, to me, it's a celebratory day. For others, I have heard it feels like a day of obligation where they're always disappointed. And so the reason I wanted to record this episode is because if you're listening to this the week before Mother's Day, Mother's Day hasn't happened yet. And you have an opportunity to ask for what you want. Can I ask you what is feedback you've received that they feel that people feel disappointed? Because no one's asked them what they want and they are still taking care of the kids all day, making brunch making dinner, cleaning up the house, still doing all the things that they disproportionately hold all year long. And on the one day a year that we're supposed to celebrate mothers, they're still orchestrating it all. Got it. And listen, there are always (laughs) two sides to this. And I understand it is a deeply complex issue. And I just really want to be clear, honey, this is not how I feel. I am advocating and just speaking up for and hoping to poke at women who are in complacency around this and thinking this is just the way it is. I do not feel this in our relationship. I didn't think so. No, I would have told you. I, I crushed the shit. I'm good at No, this. you're really good at special days. Yes. And other days also. You're just I'm good, good at days. Day. <laughs> <laughs> so you should teach a little mini course for men on how to celebrate their woman. Well, I think you're this, really good at it. You wanted to know like you wanted to know my feedback on what was said earlier. And I think this what goes it, this kind of goes into that. I think what you just shared kind of goes into that direction. But you can keep I can talk about it when you're done. OK, great. The piece, you know, when I wrote Do Less, I know I've said this a million times. When I wrote Do Less, originally the asking for help chapter was 25,000 words. Now, this is a situation that is a shade of gray from asking for help, which is asking for what you want. So there's a difference between having a need and having a desire. And they're both really valid. There is nothing wrong with wanting what you want, even if you technically don't need it. So, you know, I'm sure that I I know I recorded a Maven Masterclass one time for Origin with Cheryl Richardson, where she talked about the difference between how to know if something is actually a need versus just something you want. I can't, in all honesty, remember what exactly she said, but I know there's a difference. To me, a need is like, I need food, you know, I need money to pay the mortgage, we need shelter, I need warmth, I need physical touch, those things. And then my wants, like, let's say for Mother's Day, I haven't really given this a lot of thought, but like, I would love to not think about what my kids are eating for the day. And I would love for food to happen without me necessarily being involved. So this is perfect. Now I'm telling you. (laughs) And I would love to be able to do my workout, the class by myself and maybe take a bath and, and spend time outside with my family and sleep in. That's what I desire for Mother's Day. So that was like just off the top of my head. Sleep in? Mm -hmm. Okay. Which I understand I do a lot of days anyway. (laughs) It's just funny because the things you named is you do a lot of those now. But it's just... I do. Yeah. Yeah. But I want it guaranteed that day. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's... Yeah. yeah, Because there is like this morning, you know, Ruby woke up at 5 a.m. She has gotten into this habit. So (laughs) for Easter, my mom got these eggs that were like pre stuffed with little toys for the kids because we don't really love to feed our kids a lot of sugar because they just like have complete meltdowns so it was like little toys which p.s i understand there's a lot of different repercussions of all those little things and and the plastics and the manufacturing and i promise you we are getting more conscious about that and where things come from and where they go after anyway one of the little things was this like squishy paw (laughs) It's, it's the only way to describe it. This little paw that's squishy. Yeah. It's like those things. Remember the the toys that you could like throw against the wall? It's kind of like and that. And they had like a hand. Just yeah. imagine that. It's a little squishy. It's a little sticky. Yeah. So Ruby has become obsessed with this thing. And now she won't go to bed 
without her. First, it was a monster. At first, it was a like sort of a gummy monster. It was a finger finger monster puppet, which was very weird. And she would hold it. And that was from a vending machine. Yes. Uh huh. (laughs) And now it's it's just the it's having something soft. Yeah. Anyway, now it's this squishy pot. So at 5 a.m., she woke up screaming because the squishy pot was lost. And after very intense search work i still couldn't find it so i brought her in bed with us she never went back to sleep which i know if she wakes up after five like it's she's up nine times out of ten so anyway like today so the reason i'm asking for sleeping in even though i often do sleep until i wake up in the morning is because which p.s isn't like 10 a.m it's like you know usually between 6 15 and 7 for the most part is because I don't want to feel the tension when I wake up of, oh, I should get up. Like, I just want a free pass of a day of just like, I am not getting up and I am refusing to feel guilty about it. So that's why, in case you're interested in the inner workings. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember why I talked about Ruby waking up at 5 a.m. today. tension a lot about like, you should get out of bed? Yeah. No. Okay, so this is an interesting point. Now, you wake up early anyway. You always have. I wake up at, I like to wake up at five because I want to take care of myself. Right. But you also wake up naturally then. It's not like you set an alarm. That's correct. Right. You're just an early riser. And you were all through childhood in high school, right? My whole life, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but it would be interesting. And of course, we have no way of knowing. It would be interesting to see if you were the one who slept later if you would have the feeling of i should be getting up but i'm tired like that tension of like ah, i want to sleep but i also want to be a good dad so which one am i going to lean into right now because i obviously have this binary of i can either sleep until i'm done sleeping or i can be a good mother And so each day I decide differently. And I understand this is a false binary because obviously the better rested I am, the better mother I am. Mm -hmm. And anyway. The best way we could do it is do a case study. So for the month of May, you get up when the kids get up and I'll just stay in the room until like eight. (laughs) Just not on Mother's Day. Besides Mother's Day, yes. But the rest of the month and then we can just You don't want to stay in our room until eight. Dude, I'd like move a... I'd move a projector up there watch a movie i don't know you know all sorts of things i'd just be like yeah anyway but i i hear from other people i'll just say other people whose husbands literally sleep in every day until like 10 and don't even seem to notice that that might be affecting their family so again there's a huge spectrum here and i am not saying this is you at all no, I'm not taking it personally. Great. Because I don't sleep until 10. No, you don't. And I also don't want it to trigger no, that I don't thing want where to... you think you're responsible for all of no, mankind. No, no, no. <laughs> this conversation is not triggering me. Great. I just Because I be know clear. my value, you my know worth you're amazing in this, this household. But anyway, so a lot, you can feel the tension, in, or the not the tension, but you can see all the layers in this conversation, which is like, I have things I want to ask for, and it's hard. Right? Like, because I have this idea of what a good mother is. And those ideas of what a good mother is have been downloaded by hundreds or possibly thousands of years of patriarchy, which is a system that depends on the subjugation of women and keeping women in a situation where they're overburdened, their emotional load is higher and keeping them in certain ways stuck. Elvest, um, yeah. Sally's, what's her last name? Starts with a K. Cone. Nope. Oh, um, no, that's definitely a different person. No. Sorry. <laughs> so she, she runs an investment company that's run by women for women. And she, I. That's signed. not Alexis Van Tobel? No. Oh. Oh, hers is LearnVest. Yeah. So I think it's called LVest. And I got a newsletter from her yesterday. For some reason, I'm si- I signed up. I wanted to check it out when it was launched. So I still get their emails. 
And her thing was about that this pandemic is actually going to set women back when it comes to pay gap, when it comes to like the workplace. And she didn't like give a lot of details on it, but she just gave a little bit of highlights about like because of exactly what we're talking about here where it's like, what does that look? How does that look like? What does that look like moving forward? What happens if schools close? What happens with? Yeah, right. Because the obligations of not the obligations, but the consciousness of taking care of our kids and taking care of our homes and taking care of our families does fall disproportionately on women. Absolutely. It absolutely does. Now, I know many friends who not many. I have three people I know (laughs) who have stay at home husbands who where it completely does not disproportionately fall on them. And they actually are not the people I thought of in the 50-50 conversation because it's disproportionately on their on their husbands and they've come to an agreement that way because they are really focused on their businesses and running their businesses. I love that. I mean, any permutation is beautiful as long as it's conscious. So I guess the thing I'm trying to call out in this conversation yes. is the lack of intentionality and the default setting that we go back to and noticing how the default setting, how I lie in bed sometimes in the morning thinking that I can either be a good mother or I can take care of myself. Now, P.S., there's a lot of situations where I can either be a mother or take care of myself. Like literally that is mothering small children. (laughs) I think that's why it's so hard. But like being well rested does not equal bad mother, right? And I have this downloaded blueprint from society of what a good mother is, honestly, what a good woman is. And for my whole life, I've been shown in stories and movies, in books, in the media, in just sort of like the water that a good woman is selfless. Mm -hmm. And on Mother's Day is the day one of the days, P.S. I'm not that selfless of a woman, obviously. Um, I do ask for what I want a lot. And I've organized, you know, I'm grateful. Obviously, I have privilege and choices and availability to organize our life around getting my needs met. And you do too. And we do our best. But obviously, every single day, you know, there's the ping pong match between like, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this. And especially in the pandemic, it's been heightened because there's just, you know, not the support that we usually have. So it's a good time to reevaluate. It's a good time to reevaluate these contracts, spoken or unspoken, conscious or unconscious, to really ask ourselves as women and as men, like, what do we really want? And Mike and I are certainly in that conversation basically at all times. I think it's part of the reason our marriage works. (laughs) Um, But, you know, for you listening, just thinking about Mother's Day and like, what would it mean to you to be celebrated? How would you like to be celebrated in motherhood? And P.S., if you're not a mother, how would you like to be celebrated? Period. I just feel like all you don't need to be parenting actively to also deserve care and attention and have a day or a year or 50 years or a lifetime of celebrating yourself and asking for what you want. I think it's an opportunity for all of us. And, you know, mothering comes in many shapes and forms. And so having, like, I just kind of wanted to hop on and give permission to ask for what you want this Mother's Day. And so how do you do that? Well, I have three steps that I talk about in origin and in my book. Number one is to ask early. So hopefully you're listening to this episode, you know, a little bit early. And if you're not, that's okay. You can ask for what you want early for the next thing. So asking early, because if it is Mother's Day and I'm wanting something and I'm asking for that on the day, it's harder. It's harder for somebody to orchestrate that, right? Like if I'm like, oh, I want brunch right now. And I want like homemade waffles and strawberry cream. I'm not asking for that PS. That was just an example. Like that's just hard to do for somebody. Second, asking kindly. So the other thing that happens is there are years and years of resentment built up 
of having not gotten your needs met and feeling like you haven't gotten what you wanted. And so at the very early stages, it can be really easy to be super cranky asking for what you want. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it's harder to meet someone's desire and it's far less appealing to meet someone's desire when they're resentful and cranky. It doesn't feel like you want to do something for that person. Do you have anything to add to that? No, that makes sense. Yeah. And if you do feel cranky and resentful, I also just like, that's good. You know, you can feel however you want. I'm not telling you you need to feel a certain way. But the earlier you ask for what you want, the easier it is to be kind about it versus asking an hour past when you didn't get it or like, well, we had an, is it okay if I talk about my birthday real quick? Sure. We had a situation. My birthday was early in the stay at home order, shelter at home order. And I had asked very specifically for what I wanted because Mike asked me and he made a list and it was beautiful. And he made sure that I got every single thing I wanted. And it was wonderful. It was such a beautiful day. And then at dinner, you needed to go downstairs and take a break for a minute because it was like a lot to be with the kids. And it was just like a lot. Do you want to share how you felt? I don't even remember. Oh, so okay. you should just like, I'm not remembering any of this. But go, <laughs> go ahead. Anyway, you needed to go downstairs and take a break, which was fine. And it was just as we were sitting down for dinner. And then when you came back... I just sort of felt like you didn't really want to be there. And then after dinner was over, like I just felt like my birthday dinner, it just didn't feel like you wanted to be there. And then the girls went to bed and we ended up just like having, I don't want to call it an argument, but like an intense conversation about it. And what I realized is I had wanted a really special dinner where like maybe you know, I got to reflect on the year or maybe there was like some celebration of a few key moments or something like that. And I hadn't asked for it. So how could you have possibly known that that was an essential part of my birthday? And I didn't know that until it didn't happen. So that was an example of I did not ask early and I did not ask kindly. In fact, the way I talked about it ended up being very cranky and resentful, I think, or maybe not very, mm -hmm. but like enough to incite a conversation where it was just like, you were like, I just did all these things and exactly what you wanted on the list. And now you're saying it's not enough. So it was, I mean, it was uncomfortable. And I really realized like, oh, if I want something, I need to say so. It's not okay to resent not getting something that I didn't ask for. And this whole myth of having our minds read that like love is somebody being able to read your mind and you not having to ask for what you want or what you need is total bullshit. So the third step is to ask often because when we get in the process and the practice of saying what we need on a regular basis or asking for our desires to be met, whether it's in the bedroom, whether it's just like, hey, hun. I've got a late meeting tonight. Can you think about dinner or whatever it's going to be? Or like I'm doing my, this is a practical example. I'm doing my online hip hop class <laughs> on Thursday from five to six. Can you handle dinner that night? So like looking at that ahead of time. So you can ask early, you can ask kindly, and you can ask often. And when you get in the process and you practice those three steps, it becomes so much easier and it becomes part of who you are as opposed to a long-suffering martyr who's really resentful of the fact that she hasn't gotten what she wanted in 20 years or 30 years or ever because society told her in order to be a good woman or in order to be a good mother, that means being selfless, which if you have that belief, I do understand why you would never ask for what you want or need because if you think that being a good woman or a good mother is being selfless, that is in direct opposition to asking for what you want or asking for what you need. And so we have to change our definition. And Glennon Doyle was on the podcast last week and her book Untamed talks about the memos we get from society and how we can unravel them and choose our own memos. 
and redefine and rewrite what it means to be the kind of mother we're proud of and the kind of woman we're proud of and the kind of woman and mother that's authentic to us, which is going to look really different than the other moms in the neighborhood, than the other women on the internet. Like it gets to be, this is why I call in origin, I call it self-sourced scheduling so that we can begin to organize our lives from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. And if you want to know more about that, we do have a wait list at origincollective.com. So that's what kind of what I have to say about Mother's Day and asking for what you need and want and the state of relationships. Of course, this is not data driven. This is purely anecdotal and talk, you know, I do talk to hundreds of women. And I'm curious, Mike, as a man, as a husband, I know this is going to be a classic Kate. (laughs) I'm about to ask you, what What do you you think? think? And you're going to say about what? (laughs) So just what's bubbling for you in this conversation? So I I feel like the, uh, the, I don't know, there's a lot to go here. There's a lot of things swirling in my head right now about there's a lot of variety of topics. So anyway, let's start with us. So us, one thing, because also I've had to learn to ask for what I actually need. Yes. And it's not easy. Like, so that's as well. And then when I ask for what I need, Kate has to deal with me asking for what I actually need. Right. Like, and that's not easy for her either. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Right. So it goes both ways in this scenario. And even though we have more of a, 50 50 let's say partnership and the household and life standpoint it's still a challenge and what i've realized with men as well they have a hard time asking for what they need so we're not taught these things right we're not taught in school how to ask for what we actually want we're told to obey the teachers to get a's b's and c's and then we're told, you know, it's like, I just think about growing up and sitting in a classroom and it's like, oh, you're going to be obedient to raise your hand. And then some people don't want to, you know, it's just like, it's crazy. Like things, I was listening to another podcast with Brene Brown and they were talking about feelings and emotions that we don't talk about in school, how to express your feelings and emotions. So we spend our adult lives going to therapy to learn how to bring this crap out. Right. And so... I don't mean that in a bad way. That's a good thing. But it's like also for dudes, like growing up as a little boy and growing up as a man, you're told to suppress all of that stuff. So when you have a wife who wants you to bring it all out and talk about your emotions and feelings and you're like, I don't know how to do that. And then, you know, we've gone through, we talked about this before where it's like it became when I remember back early when we started talking about my or I would start expressing things, you would check out. Like I could see you just disappear to be, and then you, cause you would go down your own pattern of like, oh my God, I feel insecure. I'm not taking care of like, there's a lot of things that, so. All the childhood All the stuff, right? So (laughs) it comes back to having grace for each other in this process because it's, I bet you, even if your relationship is this one-sided that Kate was expressing like her three women that she knows is more of a 50-50 partnership, and you're not happy with it, my guess is your partner's probably not exactly happy with it either in a way and might feel some sort of guilt in a way that maybe I could do more or not, but they're not sure what to... It's like we have to start over. You got to like start from create a new finish line and especially now during the pandemic, our friend texted us the other day, was just like, I actually, during this time, I've my life that I actually want to live is very simple and I realized how simple it actually is and what I actually want. And that's what the beautiful part of what this situation has created for a lot of people. Now there's a lot of unfortunate parts going on during this time. And there will be a lot more unfortunate parts that are going to be happening. I've said this before, but like we're in a marathon here and we're pretty much still on mile one. So there's a lot more unfortunate things that will come out from this, but like in the home front, there will be people that will get divorced because of this hands down. Like it's going to happen. Well, the divorce rate in China skyrocketed. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to increase because so now if you serve divorced people. Now is your moment. <laughs> Sorry. This is that might've been insensitive, That's but not I have, we nice. have somebody in our Eight. community who, yeah, her who, business exploded from when I talked to her. 
Oh. Maybe we're thinking about two different. Oh people. no! Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We do. We serve a lot of therapists, and their business exploded. And 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 I just want to give a shout out to Eliz- Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. She's the divorce doctor on Instagram, and you know this is going to be a moment where she really can serve. Right. So anyway, that was a side note. But so I mean, for I think for both, it's like having a conversation to be like, hey, this is the way I feel. Because as a guy, like I have always felt like we just got to take, we got to take care of it. Like no matter what, you're not going to say much. You're not going to do much. You're just going to get it done. And it's just going to get done. And not all men feel this way, but there's a lot. And one of the difficult things about what you're bringing up right now where, and this is why it's helpful to start at home to actually have these conversations with the people that we're living with. Because when you go to the world about to think about, I've been talking a lot with Aiden Dowling, who's him and I are working on a project together he was on our podcast earlier this year we were talking about like so many of the books written i have a book upstairs called modern manhood it's written by a woman so many books are written by women to tell men how to get better right so the only way this whole shebang is going to get better is if men start standing up because i rarely think about like am i being a good father no, because you're an amazing father. You never have don't to have, have that thought in but your life. The thing, no, but you, you talking about like you're an amazing mom, but you sit up in bed worrying about right. how to and be. That, a, right, I think is cultural. Right. So with fatherhood, it's not that. So yes, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's not that intensity is not there. Well, because the expectation of you growing up was not you will be raised to become an amazing father. It was you will be raised to be a provider yes, and make money right. and be successful. Right. Now, I was raised with a little bit, bit of that too, especially having been raised with such a powerful mother. Yes. But then culturally, there was also the expectation, I will be a good woman and I will be selfless and I will take care of the people around me. And now, interestingly, you were raised with a little bit of that too. I was. Just no, I've gone through, I have some of the, like the, I let's just call it guilt, I guess you could yeah. say. So that is definitely went through my head. I mean, when you were post Penelope after you had a really hard time giving, you know, at post birth, it was a very confusing time for me because I grew up with a mom who was at home and I grew up with a dad that traveled. So my initial internal programming was like the mother knows what she's doing. And she's just got it all handled, right? That's what yeah, because I... that's what society says. Right. Is the baby comes out and then... The mothers the have it The joyful handled. handling everything mother... Right. ...is right there. And I think that's why postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety is so prevalent because it's like, WTF, I have no idea what I'm doing. And P.S., I've gotten cultural messages my whole life that I should know exactly what I'm doing as a new mother and therefore... I'm a terrible person. Right. So, but that also for my stand, like as a father, you know, Laura Sprinkle just had me on her podcast recently and I was just. What's I the t- podcast called? I don't know. I'll look it up while you tell the, the Laura story. Sprinkle show. I no, think it's not it is. called that. She's but, also a mastermind member. But we were talking about this ex- kind of this exact thing where, you know, it was like there was during you're growing a human. So there's this build up process inside of you to be like, I'm going to give birth. And then this baby It is comes called out. the Laura Sprinkle Show. Great. Great. And uh, so... If, no, it's called Launch Rebels Radio. Yes, that's what it's called. Yeah. Launch Rebels Radio. Yeah. I didn't think it was called the Laura Sprinkle Show. You know, I was talking to her about like, it makes sense that like the baby was given to me, you know, and I it, was, it wasn't given to me. Like I picked the baby <laughs> up, right? The baby. <laughs> He was given to me. Given to you. Uh, I picked the baby up, but it was like I have no clue because there I didn't go through the the hormonal changes, the changes as the woman goes through when she's pregnant, right? And so as dads, the one thing I've seen a lot of is like a lot of guys are just like I don't know what to do, and so which makes sense. And I know now talking to you a lot, mothers feel the same way. So I think there's this unsaid conversation that probably has to happen. And it's really challenging right when a new baby comes. But I think they're... Well, it's, an, it's a great conversation to have before the baby comes. And, and Kimberly after. Johnson's book, The First 40 Days, has some really good sort of handouts or exercises, yes. questions to talk about with your partner 
while you're pregnant or while you're yes. awaiting the arrival of the baby if the baby is coming to you some other way. So I highly recommend that. And then also post after, like you set a, set a date to be like, we got to check in with yeah. ourselves like eight weeks, six weeks later to be like, what yeah. did we just go through, right? Yeah. Even with the second kid, it was this kind of the same deal. Like maybe every pediatrician visit would be a great day or time period to also schedule a yes. check-in with your partner. Not with your pediatrician because, no. no. Um, <laughs> Although but if just, you have an amazing pediatrician, they might ask actually ask you how you are. Yeah, if you can find one of those lucky ones. Ours retired. Um, so sad. But there is, I mean, it, it definitely, I can definitely, that's why we have suicide rates that are so high. This is why we have fatherless children that exist so high. You know, it's like these numbers are way higher for men than in women. And I think it's also because there is these like, quote, the, the expectations. It's kind of the un. it's like feeling the pressure, but not sure how to process it. And I feel like with us as dudes, there's been this place that there's not a space to process things. Yeah, because I don't have conversations with any of my guy friends to be like, are you doing 50 50 parenting which is you know? so crazy because literally almost every conversation i have with girlfriends is about the status of the equity in their marriage it almost always comes up so probably so 70 80 percent of the time so that to me is shocking so my, that men never talk about but that. my question to you is like is that helpful like, i find it if, fascinating because what it indicates to me is there is an opportunity for growth there. Right. Agreed. But no, having... is it helpful? No, we need to be having those conversations with our partners, not our girlfriends. Right. Or That's both. what I'm saying. Both. Like, yeah. yeah. It's only helpful if the conversation goes from having it with your girlfriends to then bringing it up with your partner. It is not helpful if you're just with your girlfriends complaining about your husband. Obviously. Yeah. But I think not so obviously because it is so freaking common to just sit around, complain about your husband and then go home and just suck it up and keep being the selfless martyr who's right. resentful. Yeah, that's not helpful. No. Because it also, I have one guy friend who does much more parenting than his wife. Yeah. Because she works a, a lot more. And I know what you're talking about now. Like, what you th like I'm just rephrasing our conversation, you know, replaying our conversations in our head when we're having this. Because he, feel, I, he feels a lot of guilt that all these things have to be done by him. And so that's also, you know, but it also, it's like, I was like, you need to talk your lady about this. Like you guys need to figure this out. And I think it is obviously there's a layer here, which we have not expressly said, which is making the money, right? So oftentimes Correct. there's the dynamic yes. where one person is making the money. One person is tending to the home and family. Yep. I don't know what other people's jobs are like. I only know what my job is like. And of course I've talked to other people. You know, you might have an incredibly intense job where A, you hate it and B, it requires a ton of focus and C, you know, it's exhausting. Like, right. So, so many things. And then and then it may feel like, well, I've just suffered through this all day for 10 hours. I just want to show up at home with dinner on the table and somebody to pour me a drink and like give me my slippers and a cigar. Now, that's extreme. But I'm just saying, like, I get I, I actually do get you that. You want to start smoking? <laughs> No, oh. <laughs> or no, I'm not going to start smoking or drinking, but I'm just saying like that's sort of the stereotypical idea, right? Yeah. So I get that there are these dual needs in our particular capitalistic society, which is like somebody's got to make the money or both people and somebody's got to take care of the home or both people. And I just, I think the point of this conversation is obviously not so much about Mother's Day. Mother's Day was just sort of this opportunity to reevaluate and practice. What might this new life look like? What might your new way look like? What might it feel like to ask for one thing that you want? And P.S., I understand the feeling of like, well, you know, so, it's like so classic that women do. Well, what do you want? Oh, anything right. is fine. This but is untransparent. that's a lie. That's right. It's not. It's not fine. Well, I don't care as long as you're happy. Whatever you bring is great. Now, sometimes that's true. Like people might say to me, you know, they're coming for dinner. Not right now, but like they're coming for dinner. What should I bring? And I may very well say, I actually have everything covered. Either don't bring anything or whatever you bring 
that's easy is great. Right. If that's true, I will say it. However, if I actually need them to bring like a quiche or coffee or whatever, I am continuing to strengthen the muscle where I ask people to do specific things, especially when they've asked what I need. Like, if this is so hard for you, I get that. And I have a lot of compassion. There are areas in my life where this is extremely difficult for me too. And people in particular where it's extremely difficult. If you need to practice something small just to start, practice that when somebody asks you, do you need anything or how can I help that you actually say, yes, Mm -hmm. I do need help. And you could even respond with, thank you so much for asking. I am aware that I need help. I am not sure what I need help with. Stand by. Because our knee-jerk reaction is, no, I'm fine. But like, I have a girlfriend, and I've mentioned this before. I have a girlfriend who texts me when she's going to the grocery store sometimes just to say like, hey, I'm running to the grocery store. Do you need anything? It is one of the most beautiful, like it's going to make me cry. (laughs) It's one of the most beautiful, loving things she can do. And giving and receiving is cyclical. We have to remember that it is never one-sided. And when we allow ourselves to receive and be filled up, so if I say to her, actually, I need eggs, that would be so helpful. And I allow myself to receive, then I am full. And the next time she needs something, I am available to give to her because it's a cycle of exchange. So often we get stuck in thinking, well, if I receive help or if I ask for help, then that's one-sided and I don't deserve that and that's going to make me entitled or that's going to make me selfish or whatever. But in fact, what you're doing when you refuse to receive is you are cutting off the flow and you're preventing somebody else from receiving from you in the future because you've said, oh no, I'm going to just run on fumes which means at some point you're going to run out of gas and your friend who needs a ride is going to be SOL. And so it's so important that we fully receive when it's available so that we can fully give when it's needed. This is the cycle of life, of giving and receiving. So when my friend asks if I need anything at the grocery store, if I don't, I say no, but thanks for thinking of me. But if I do, I'm not trying to like put up some facade of having all my shit together. She knows I don't have my shit together. And like, I'll say, yes, I actually do need something because I also want her to know that I'm a safe space, that she can ask for what she needs. Like, I want her to know I'm available for that. And so we need those people in our lives who will offer and who know that we'll be honest with them because the worst thing is to find out in the aftermath that somebody didn't get their needs met because they didn't ask and you could have been available for that and you didn't know and now they resent you for it. And that is happening in so many partnerships right now. So if you listen to that and you think, oh God, that's happening in my partnership, today's a great day to change it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard... uh... They were on this Brene Brown, Mark Beckett, I think is his name, podcast. You are all about Brene. I am. But he talked about the... I mean, so People say, especially now during the pandemic, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. It's like, they're full of shit. Nobody is good, right? Like, you be good, but you're... There's an element of like freaking out sometimes somehow during the day, right? Or sometimes you might be like, I'm actually really having a great time, believe it or not. right. So, but it's the I'm fine thing, right? And so we don't actually talk about how we actually feel because we're nobody's, because if I, I actually did this one day, I saw a guy that I used to go to CrossFit with at the coffee shop and he's like, how you doing? I'm like, man, I'm really like struggling to tell you the truth. I got this going on and this going on and this going on. He goes, all right, cool. Well, have a great day. You know, and it's like, if you tell people. You don't know what to do with it. You know, like they don't know what to do with it because it's this concept of we don't actually teach how to handle our emotions and what to do with our emotions. And so we do it. There's a lot of conversation around like teaching our kids this, but it's like we're grown 
adults and we need to be able to do this not about our kids will figure it out they're smart little kids right well they'll figure it and out by watching us. they'll fit you that right and if we're in a place where we're not even dealing with this like our children can't deal with this so yeah i i agree with kate like there's no better time to start than now yeah and it's this is not this is uncomfortable this is not easy like this is the work this is like raw kept telling me the other day she would for 40 minutes she just sat there yesterday in our session watching me did not say a word and i would like look at her and be like do you have any thoughts she goes you're doing the work and that's it and i'm like okay well that's not helpful and i look at her i was like can you just do this for me raw that's what i'm here i just want you to do it and she goes yeah but it's not my life and i was like yeah that's what's so magic about rock and she that's the thing with all of this stuff as well like it is uncomfortable and it brings up a lot of things that we don't want to talk about many times but it's just doing the work and it's one day at a time like there's anything we've learned from the pandemic it's one day at a time because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow we could be locked down for another like month or year and it's just like, it's one day at a time. Yes. So as a reminder. Happy Mother's Day to all you Your mothers. steps are for asking for what you need or asking for what you want. Both are valid. Both are necessary. Ask early. Ask often. And ask kindly. And the last thing I would say about this is to create a bucket where your container. So what do I mean by that? asking why you're changing a kid's diaper is not a good idea asking why you're making dinner is a horrible idea so you set a time in the calendar just like we've talked about having our money meetings on friday from eight to nine you know have we have a month a sunday night or monday morning planning session for the week over here there's also benefit in actually talking about an asking bucket you could say to say hey Friday from four to five or from seven to eight before we do, like if you watch a show at night or something before we watch a show, let's talk about these things and creating containers around this is super helpful. That's actually how to do this. I think that often our asking for needs ends up happening in the scheduling meeting because just, I'm just giving you a practical example because we look at the week and we visibly see oh, like this is happening there, this is happening here, here's where I could use support. And so that's why that Sunday night or Monday morning planning session is so critical for us because then we see ahead what's needed and where we might need some buffer, where we might need some support. You know, if Mike wants to go to the office one morning early, if I've got dance class, whatever, so that we can say like, here's what the week looks like. Here's what we need to do here's what we want to do here's the support we each need for that and if you can have that set time every week it will revolutionize your partnership yeah and it will save you so many arguments like Mm -hmm. please try it out and treat it as seriously as you would a meeting with your lawyer Mm -hmm. or a doctor's appointment yep Because it's way more important than either of those things. mm -hmm. And you might even like, I would say because we've been doing this for a while. So, but if this is brand new is to create it separate from other meetings to just talk about, to ask your partner and who's there to be like, what does it look like when you ask for what you need? Yeah. Like I have basic questions. Right. So what does that even look like for you? Do you feel like you could do a good job? Do you feel overwhelmed? Because, and it might be helpful to have like, a random third person there to kind of be a moderator in the situation or maybe not a random person no a therapist like a a therapist or a friend you know maybe there's a close friend that comes over and you two can have this conversation in front of them and realize like hey i'm not skilled to handle this like a therapist is also a good person but even yeah it's just creating those containers for these conversations is the best way to start because just especially with there's kids running around and there's a lot of family, you know, it's just life dynamics. It's the more containers that can be created or the more space that can be created for these type of conversations, whether that's a business meeting or our money meeting or our planning meeting, 
you know, that's why even though meetings can get annoying if you're there, especially like an office corporate environment, but like we're talking this, you have to treat your work like it's outside of the house, but you also got to treat your house like a business in itself. Your house is a business and you have to operate that way inside of this container. I think for everybody to kind of, let's say, have a successful enjoying experience. I agree. So happy Mother's Day. Yeah, happy Mother's get Day. Get out there and get your needs and your desires met. Do your best. It's a lifelong practice. None of us is ever going to be perfect at this. We're all growing. We're all learning. We're all deprogramming ourselves. We're all, you know, untethering ourselves and dropping the ties that bind us and becoming more of who we are. So please don't beat yourself up. If Mother's Day is not the most spectacular day of your life, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or your partner. It just means that you're still practicing. And I wish you a ton of love no matter what you're going through, no matter what your parental status is, no matter what your partnership status is. Everyone deserves to be loved and cared for and celebrated. And you can start by asking. Bye. Bye. What if you could get more done in less time, but more importantly, feel more calm, peaceful, and at ease? You can, and my book, Do Less, is out in a newly revised paperback format with 14 experiments to implement right away. You can get it over at katenorthrup.com forward slash book, along with some incredible bonuses, including a masterclass on manifesting with New York Times bestseller, Dr. Shafali Sabari and me. So head over to katenorthrup.com forward slash book, get your copy of Do Less and your incredible bonuses now.